on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Is there any other tidbit that you can give to the listener right now who maybe is wearing too many hats and hasn't been able to delegate, mostly because they don't know really what they're best at? Can you give anything else further there for, for clarity? You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, trying to come to you today, trying to keep my voice. I was losing it. I did three shows yesterday. Here I am back, and I got my brother Matthew here on the King stage. How we doing? Come into the fold here. Come to the King table, Matthew. How we doing? Doing well, Chaz. Really, really blessed. Glad, glad to be alive. It's a great day. I had an old football coach used to say at, at our 5 a.m. two-a-days, it's a great day to be alive and living in the Peach State. I love it. I love it. We just got to talking about Georgia and the area that you service. We were just there with our mastermind group and uh, absolutely beautiful area. I'm trying to buy a lake house nearby. Like just the whole, yep. it just like encapsulated my attention. But dude, I didn't even, before our pre-record, <clears throat> I didn't even, I didn't even ask you how you say your last name. I'm looking at here on the screen going, it's okay. Oh my goodness. That's okay. It's, it's Eford. Yeah, it's Eford. It's like bird, but EF. So Eford, Matthew Eford. Matthew Eford here on the King stage, y'all. And and I hope that for the listener, you guys realize that like, I mean, okay, I've done like 325 of these. And look, right here, right in front of you, forgot to ask my buddy's last name and, and how he says it. But but hey, we just roll with it. That's what we do as Kings. We bring levity. It's one of our core values. We bring levity, which is the removal of stress and the insert of joy. Amen. What do you think about that? Okay, so I, I want to know, you got a couple businesses. Tell us what yeah. industry or businesses that you're in. So we started a Mosquito Joe franchise in 2017. I was in a sales position that before I started. Had been through some pretty explosive growth with a great pharmacy company and really felt called to and led to start something for my family. Wanted to be able to hand something to my boys. Didn't want to pat on the back and, and a watch when they sold a, a business that we took from $2 million to $10 million. Yeah. And really wanted to be able to invest in my future and in my boys' future. So we prayed a lot, found Mosquito Joe as an opportunity, called around almost 100 owners at the time that I spoke to, kind of tell me the good, the bad, the ugly about the brand and fell in love with the brand. But the issue the brand had was what do you do in the off season? And right. so simultaneously, we opened a Christmas lights business. We, we did a little A-B test between Christmas lights and chimney sweeps, had a buddy of mine that was doing that. So I just want to kind of keep our options open, fell in love with lighting, the opportunity to be able to really make Christmas magical and have since 2018 been running both businesses side by side, supporting the staff between the others. And we're actually really excited this year. We're actually franchising our Christmas lights business called Lighting Pros. So we're, we're opening up that franchise and opportunity to be able to connect other folks. So we do Outdoor pest control through Mosquito Joe. We do Christmas lights that are local operations with lighting pros. And then we are franchising that business as well. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, wow. Uh, completely impressive. But the, the first thing that I just keep this vein of impressiveness. I like to be impressive. I like to, I like to, I like to show up and out. And so I like to point it out when I hear it. You yeah. said you called a hundred franchisees before you signed the dotted line. And I just, when you told me that in, just before the recording, I was, that's a lot of phone calls, man. That's a lot of potentially hearing the same thing over and over. And a lot of, a lot of like intentionality is what I heard from it. So I just wanted to like, give you like a kudos to that. I mean, I'm not appreciate sure if that a lot. like your dad or anything, but like, wow. Yeah, no, um, I appreciate that. And then the, the second piece um, is around the, the franchise. Like I wanted just to point that out there because I can't tell you how many home service companies I've heard say, man, we can't figure out what to do to keep my guys. And so yep. that's you listening right now. Matthew might be an incredible opportunity for you to connect with wherever you are in the country, because unless you're in Florida or South Texas, everyone else 
basically has an issue with this exact same thing that you just described. And, yeah. uh, and I'm pretty sure that they celebrate Christmas in all of those areas too. And I'm pretty sure there's businesses and homeowners everywhere that like home, like lights on their buildings and homes. And so maybe listen up just a little bit on this one. This might be a great solution for you. Maybe Matthew has a franchise just for you. <laughs> be honored to help any way that we can. Awesome, man. Well, let's get into it here. I want to know your story. You kind of gave us a little bit of what happened. I want to know how it happened. But before I ask you the how, I got to know the why. You mentioned your boys. You mentioned, you know, leveraging a future legacy. What is the bigger picture for you? What's the burning sure. desire of Matthew on the inside? My businesses are an avenue for ministry relationally and financially. So okay. I, that's that's what gets me out of bed every day is it, being able to engage. I believe scripture teaches us that we're all called to ministry as believers. And so if you call yourself a believer, you're in the work of ministry. It's not just for pastors or, or own people on staff at a church. It's the local businesses that can really make an impact. And so we, we operate our businesses in that way to invest in our staff, to invest in our community, and then to be able to invest in our family as well. Yeah. I love that. And I, and I agree with you. I'm in, I'm in a, a similar value system. And, and for me, you know, call it marketplace Christianity or, you know, evangelism through excellence. Like, I think you and I both know, even through our conversation already this morning, it's like, I, you know, sometimes the faith or maybe the word or the Bible or scripture or these like play on Christian words get used, but a lot of times they don't. And here's what actually happens is that you just operate in excellence and yeah. operating in excellence is a biblical foundation or yeah. you know, success principles came from somewhere originally. And it wasn't yeah. Napoleon Hill. Although I love thinking grow rich deeply, Me too. they were, they were around much longer before him. And so it's like, okay, well, where, where, and so for you and I, that state of excellence comes from us wanting to be a mirror of the excellencies of Christ. Right. Yeah. Amen. Love that. Okay, so that's your why. Has that changed over the years? I mean, you got a family now. Um, you get so yeah, we've businesses. Got, <laughs> it hasn't really changed. I mean, it's it's adapted. I have a personal board of advisors that I put together that I they help grade me on three things: faith, family, and finances. Love and it. so that's that's kind of the intention around putting that board together. So those are the three areas that I really seek to evaluate in my life. I want to be the I'm not a big word person. You know, I know some people throw that around for the new year. That's never been me, but the word that I've said the most over the last 18 months is stewardship. Yeah. I want to be a good steward of what I have. Yeah. We've been very, very blessed. Our, our businesses have grown. We've seen triple digit growth. We've seen high double digit growth in both businesses year over year, which is just a huge blessing. And so instead of just turning inwardly, we want to make sure we turn outwardly and be able to connect with our staff and serve them well, serve our, our community well. You know, we tell our staff, I, I want you to be better for working here. And I, I mean that. And so we try to invest in them. We do some pretty cool stuff with, with them. That's cool. One thing that you didn't just say in that sentence, but you said before we hit the record button, and I want to highlight it because it's so important. And it's something that I've said for a long time as well, which is you want your staff to be better because they work for you, but then comma, that sentence continues. And if it's only for a short yeah. season yeah. or if it's for a long season, whatever the rest yeah. of that sentence looks like, we can't be so naive to think that somebody's going to work for us for the next 50 years. And it's our responsibility or our stewardship, right? Yeah. To be able to so one, steward that relationship well for even a period of time. So one thing that helped change my mentality, this was early last year, just spend some time praying for our business and, and meet with a mentor of mine. And I said, I'm, I'm really having a hard time when a staff member leaves. And I said, I, I really felt convicted this morning that, that I, that's a good thing when they leave because we're now sending them out. And, and it just really changed my perspective of the staff that we have. It's for a season. And, and I hope that we can elongate that a season because we have Christmas lights and we're able to offer year-round employment. It's not just seasonal. There's all the benefits of, you know, being able to hire higher caliber employees that do better customer service, that leads to higher referrals, that leads to decreased cost of acquisition of new customers, all the good things you want to see as a business. But for us, what it's done is it's allowed us to change the mentality of we're finding young men and young women that are coming into our business in time of transition. And 
we're able to invest in them in the season that they're with us and either move them into another role within our organization as it grows that can support them in a longer term career or help equip them for their next career. Yeah. And that, that mentality shift has, has completely taken the burden of staff off of my shoulders. I mean, obviously we struggle with staff and that's nationwide people do that, but it's, it's given me a new perspective on that very fresh perspective that, that I would just encourage others to, to have as well. Yeah. yeah. It changes a, a, a closed fist to an open fist. Mm-hmm. And so if we're keeping this, you know, just biblical principle flow, you know, blessings can't flow in and out with a, with something closed. It, it has to be open. It has to be open. You have to be able to receive and give. I mean, we can, yeah. I mean, just multiple scripture and principles that we're talking about. And then even in a book, success books, they, they talk about just abundance and not lack. Yeah. And so there's, there's an abundance mentality that you're referring to that not only is there enough that someone else will fill that spot, but then the duty or the, the, the stewardship of this responsibility or this person or this helping them move on to the next, like it's actually now becomes a, like, like a task. Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be responsible for this. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I want to do it with excellence is Amen. what it all comes down to. Yeah. Cool, man. Okay. So let's, let's hear a little bit of the story. You said you worked for a pharmaceutical company before and you wanted to do your own thing. Give us a little bit more of that story. What kicked you out of the corporate world, made you want to do your own thing and, and a little bit of the so story. We- I met an owner of a pharmacy management company. He and I went to church together. I went to school at UGA, go dogs, and was in a church outside of Athens. He and I were in church together. They were starting a sales program for their company. They were a couple of million dollars looking to invest and grow their business. And got into that, learned an incredible amount about business, even though I'd taken business classes through Terry with the management and finance background, but it was the practical sense of managing people and expectations and then sales. That's my, my love It is sales and development, business development. So was able to capitalize on that. But I saw a lot of businesses I was competing with getting me bought up by some larger players in the market and really felt compelled to look at what does it mean for me to leave, be a good steward, but, but leave a legacy for my boys. We were trying to start a family at that time. And I didn't want just a pat on the back, say, Hey, you know, Matthew, appreciate your years of service, driving all over the country. Like you did, you grew our business to $10 million. I didn't grow it. The, the, the Lord did. He, he blessed the work that we were doing. They had an incredible team, incredible yeah. product. I just yeah. helped facilitate the conversation. So That's right. all that to say, I saw them starting to cut some cost and, and felt like that an exit was looming. And so was reading some books, rich dad, poor dad was one of them. And it really got a hold of my heart to say, I had a mowing business when I was in high school and I, I really need to look back into that. So uh, I, I did some evaluations. I looked at a, a donut shop. I mean, I, I love donuts myself and coffee and looked at doing something like that. I, I looked at yep. landscaping. I looked at trucking. I, I kind of put my feelers out to anybody that, that I would consider someone that I admired and nothing really struck my fancy to just to be Frank and yeah. nothing felt, I didn't feel confident in anything. The Lord wouldn't give me clarity on that. So started looking at franchise models and Mosquito Joe was one that was winning a lot of rewards and has continued to thankfully as a growth opportunity that it was kind of a low barrier entry in terms of growing an area that had a large opportunity to, for long-term growth. It didn't take a lot of capital to start. It's a territory with, you know, bands and, and staff and, and equipment. So it's not building a $2 million building and, and right. hoping that that area continues to develop. So as a first business outside of college, that was, that was a nice thing to get into. We, we tell our staff all the time, we're in the customer service business. We just happen to do outdoor pest control and Christmas lights that, that we're definitely customer service focused. And so it's just been scaling since then. Yeah, I love that. Okay, well, I want to know, maybe even early on specifically, sure. of a good decision that you made where you can look back and because of this one decision, a lot of the other dominoes have fallen for you. What, what yeah. is that? So I I knew you were going to ask this question. I've got two. One of them's really easy and, and one of them's more difficult. The the real easy one is we started paying weekly. We, we do payroll. We want to pay well once a week. That's been really helpful for our guys, all of our team, 
a lot of, especially our entry level jobs, they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so paying once a month or on the first and the 15th or, or biweekly was really stretching some of them thin. And that's really helped us a lot over the last two years post COVID with inflation now, different incentive programs that we do, different competitions that we do. They feel that impact on their paycheck much sooner than waiting yeah. two or three weeks to to give it. So that's a that's a real easy practical one. The second one's around delegation, which which actually is part of one of the biggest mistakes I've made. And and I'm I, I know that question is probably coming too. So I, I can kind of dive into that in a second if you want me to. But yeah, learning how to delegate has been something that I, I've grown in a lot. And, and that takes a lot of self-examination of learning yeah. what you're actually good at, not what you think you're good at. So what are the things that you actually excel in? What are the skill sets that you have and what things do you need to hand off? And for me, that was asking the people closest to me, mentors, pastor, my wife, some dear friends of ours, just to kind of evaluate me and went through a process with them. And, and it was pretty revealing of yeah. what I thought was, was good and what I did well. And I didn't yeah. do well. Uh, I'm more of a visionary person. I catch the, the client development, business development piece and run with that quickly. And I can get lost. The details can get lost with me a lot. Oh, yeah. So it's been delegating to good people. So that's, what do you that's think? Yeah. I mean that we're just talking about such something so powerful. I appreciate your vulnerability there. Uh, sure. Especially even just the way that you went about like strategically putting multiple people around you. I think that that is the idea, whoever that, you know, quote unquote mastermind group is, whether it's a mixture of your wife and a couple of friends, or you already said you put an advisory board together, or you're part of a group like gathering the Kings. That is literally one of the foundational things that you have to have an agitation of someone else's thought about you or what you're doing. My question is this, you said that oftentimes it's the, difficulty of the self-reflection piece to know like what you're good at, what you're not. And what that, what that presumes is that we're not good at everything. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, but we inherently, maybe not inherently think that we're good at everything, but at least at the beginning, we kind of have to be. So other than maybe just asking others to be honest with you, is there any other tidbit that you can give to the listener right now who maybe is wearing too many hats and hasn't been able to delegate Mostly because they don't know really what they're best at. Can you give anything sure. else further there for, for clarity? Yeah. So for me, I read a book, Who Not How, Dan Sullivan. Yeah, um, it, that was that was one that, that hit me square in the face. I mean, just being honest. I'd ask myself the question, how can I fix this far too much? Instead yeah. of asking myself, who can help me fix this? And that is something that is that has helped a little bit shift my mind in that. But I, I went through, I asked some pretty basic questions around to my spouse and, and to mentors and to dear friends, and, and even to a couple of our leadership team that, that I had a very good relationship with or have a very good relationship with. Yeah. I was saying like, what do you think? What do you think I'm best at? What do you think I'm worst at? What, what, what's the most frustrating thing about me? And, and it took a lot of me to say, Please know that there's trust here that I truly want good, honest feedback because I have some champions in my life who are just champions and they're just yeah. encouragers yeah. and I love them dearly, but I did not go to them with this question. Yeah, that's good. That's because a good discernment the, piece. Because that they're just going to encourage me and I love that. And sometimes I need that. But but in this this process, this exercise, I needed somebody that was going to be willing to shoot straight with me. And I've created the the culture there with these individuals to say, especially for the employees that I have on a leadership team, this is a safe place for you to share hard answers because I want to grow. One of our core values is shared growth, that we're better today than we were yesterday. We always want to be growing and becoming better. Peter Drucker says the bottlenecks are always at the top. The rate limiting step of growth of my organization and then any division underneath me that, that I'm responsible for, that yeah. people that they manage, they're the rate limiting step of growth. Yeah. So true. Who Not How is an incredible resource. So if you're listening right now and you haven't read that or listened to it, I'd highly suggest that. 
lots more value than than even just the thing that Matthew gave to you. But for your ability to make that transition and then also then include those people into your decision making and also feedback facilitation yeah. is humbling. I'm sure you've had many humbling moments. Yeah, um, yeah. But but then but then what do we do with it? Right. Like, okay, so you got some hard feedback. You gave a you facilitated a space that was safe and you got the answer. And it hurt a little bit, and and then you walked away. What do I do with it there? Sure. For me, it was it was trying to delegate the things that I was not good at, and so it was trying to find people that were, for me specifically, good in the details. That, that they were good at, at processes. From an EOS standpoint, traction, it was an implementer that I needed to equip my implementer better, and that took time. That, that took intentionality around spending time with this individual and giving them the information they needed to be successful and then not micromanaging them, which is not an issue for me because again, I get the details get lost. So I don't micromanage. So that, that was a big piece for me is it, trying to understand. I mean, we went into job descriptions. We went into our core values. We went into yeah. our overall company structure org chart and really just kind of restructured all of those pieces to say, how do we better support the organization as a whole? I cannot do everything. Yeah, yeah, love that. You you whispered something real quickly there that I want to point out for the listener. You said that you had to equip him or her, I guess, but yeah. you had to equip the integrator with the information that they needed so that they could go execute, and then you didn't micromanage. And you said later that micromanaging isn't like a thing for you anyway because that's not okay. usually what visionaries do. But here's what visionaries typically do is... They just say, here, go figure it out. <laughs> but if we go back to your three-step process there, it was first equip them with what they yeah. needed so that they could go execute and then don't micromanage. You can't just say, well, I'm not a micromanager, so go figure it out. Yeah. That's not how it works. It takes a collaboration of equipping them and giving them the pieces that they do need, which does require you to be into the weeds a little bit more than a visionary likes to be. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that they can own that space so that the visionary can rise above the weeds again. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. One Minute Manager is another good book that, that kind of gets into some of that. It is being able to create a cadence that you meet with your staff, especially yeah. early on in, in delegating. It's a lot more than, than it is as you go throughout the delegation process. Yeah. And so as we're onboarding a new team member or as we're assigning a new task to somebody, I spend a lot more time with them than I typically would. We're regularly, daily, sometimes multiple times during the day, going over the process, tweaking the process, making sure they understand the process, making sure that they actually tell me back the process. That's been a key for us is to say, this is what I'm saying. You tell me what I'm saying. Tell me what this process is. Tell me what you're going to do. I want to hear it from you. I want to hear you say this. So that way I make sure you understand what it is. Yeah, it's funny. This this process or this repeating back of competence is so good. And I'll give you just a quick example here because you've mentioned that part of your, you know, your inner circle obviously is your wife. And then, you know, before the recording hit, we were talking just about just the importance of of that and our faith and just a few other things that play into the business. But my my wife and I, Julie and I, were on a marriage retreat, I don't know, five, six, maybe seven years ago. I can't remember exactly how long, but we we were doing this this communication style back and forth where, you know, the one listens and then repeats back. Like this is a very normal communication piece. It, it, yeah. it shows not only active listening, but it shows competence of what, like, I understand what you said. And then the ability to repeat it back to you is a whole nother skill set. Yeah. It's, it's the ability for me to know that you actually heard me. I feel, I now feel heard. I feel that you understand. So you heard me, but then you understood. And then now I understand that you understand. Like those are multiple steps. And so here's what we learned. It's just it's hilarious. This is, you know, applicable for, for employees as well, is that when, when my wife would repeat back to me, she would summarize because she's a summarizer and I'm a like bullet point. Okay. I'm, I value accuracy. Okay. <laughs> and so she would repeat back. Here's what you said. And I was like, well, that's part of it. And then I would have to repeat. Yeah. And so then she'd go, yeah, okay, I got it. And then, so she'd say it back to me and I'm, and I'd say, no, you don't, you don't fully have it yet. <laughs> and, and so the, the takeaway there is that it's not that she doesn't value accuracy. She's, she's very, like, she's excellent and she likes value sure. and accuracy, but 
for me to feel heard or for me to feel that you understand fully, I needed you to give it back to me exactly how I gave it to you because that, to me, displays that you understand. Now, for her, summarize it. We're good to go. Move on. It's just kind of funny how those things work, but that's just a personality preference. So even inside of the communication, visionary, integrator, detail person, not detail person, you know, like we got all these different moving variables. Really what we're talking about is you got to know the person and you got to be able to deliver communication in their style so that they can be able to operate, whether it's equipping them with information so that they can go do it or training them, whatever the, the process that we're trying to, you know, do is. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the things that I that's on my daily affirmations I read over myself is I listen with the intent to understand before I listen with the intent to respond. And that that's really been something that's been helpful for me, for our team, is that they know that when they come to me, I'm going to listen. I'm going to put down my phone. I'm going to put down my computer. I'm going to in- truly engage with them. Right. You know, people's the biggest thing that, that limits any business. It, it, at the end of the day, that's the biggest thing that's going to get you to scale is your people. It's not your marketing. It's not your business. It's the people that you have executing the business. I think for most businesses, for any home service business, but it's your people. And and one thing that we have found is investing in our people, getting engaged with them on a very personal level, knowing them better, then equipping our leadership team to know their staff better, their, their team better. Trying to cultivate that kind of culture has been really important. Yeah, it makes, makes a big difference. Hey, kings and queens, Chaz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort, we meaning myself and my team, into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, <laughs> all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Okay, let's flip the coin, Matthew. I want to know of a bad choice that you've made that we can all learn from. What is it? So it, it's twofold. Knowing to, to fire somebody that I needed to fire somebody that it just drug that process out. I had I mean in, in the circumstances are or or difficult. Our, our son, our second son, Noah, had trisomy 13, found out about it in fall of 2019. He passed wow. away in March of 2020, wow. uh, right before the pandemic. Yeah. And so, you know, I, that was obviously a, a difficult time for myself and my family and, and still is, you know, we live on the other side of, of grief and we're, we're living in the, in the midst of his absence. We know where he is. We know that we'll be with him one day and we, and we celebrate that, but it doesn't make today any less hard. But in that season, I, I had a manager that was working with us that I had not done a good job delegating to her. I had done what you had said earlier about Hey, I'm the visionary. This is what I need you to do. Go run with it. And in my personality, I would go figure it out as I went. And this individual, I didn't equip them well enough to, to handle that, that then I had to take a season out of our business and it suffered, you know, and, and we lost some good staff around that, you know, a players like a results and they like to be around other a players and being able to move on from somebody who's not that. And even help them, you know, from a fate perspective, it gets really challenging because it's, you know, it's another soul that, that I'm saying, hey, yeah. you know, you're you're not a good fit for us. And so we take that more as a, this is not the best opportunity for you or the business. I'm going to help you find something else, but this is not going to work. This is not working for you, for everybody involved. Again, it gets back to stewardship. I've got to be a good steward because all of our other team is suffering because that individual is staying too long. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a real thing. It's come up a couple of times here on the show. But if you're listening right now and haven't gone through this, then then you will. But yeah. and, and, and hopefully the, the information here that you just acquired is you recognize it like it's it's a frustration. It's a stick, you know, when it should be flowing, it sticks and, and it starts as an irritation. And it doesn't have to be that you don't work on it. Like, obviously, every every frustration needs every issue needs a, a solution. But sometimes a solution is right there in front of you and it's like that they're just not a good fit. 
and that's okay. Even to your point there, it's like, it doesn't mean that you can't help them move on and transition to even what should be better for them. Cause here's what I learned a long time ago. If he's not performing, if she's not liking this, like if I'm not liking her performance, she's probably not liking it either. He yeah. is drudging coming to work every day. And yeah. so it, I'm just doing us both a favor of, yeah, you know, helping, helping both people move on in, in a better way. Yeah. I got to know, is there, is there a decision-making process that you have? You're very poised. You've been through a lot. You're referencing, you know, people like you have a very poised perspective. Do you have a, like a decision-making process when something comes across your desk and make a big decision? It's a great question. I mean, I, I have a, I have a morning routine that I've had for a couple of years now that, that I start my day at five, you know, I, I exercise, I spend time in the word. I, I spend time praying for my family and my business. And then based off of that quarterly rock, I divide up my seven day week and, and have different tasks I do every morning. And that gives me a couple of hours, a few hours before our boys get up and get going for the day. They're so young. Our oldest is five. And so they're, they're still pre kindergarten age, but that gives me time to be really focused in the mornings to engage with our business, read a couple of books around that and share in a minute, but that really helped. So a lot of times that at least preps me for the day to be engaged with those discussions during the day. So those decisions, but I have two masterminds I'm a part of one that's a home service specific one that I take a lot of stuff to And then one's a faith-based one that, that is equipping me to be a better dad, a better husband, a a better business owner that I'm involved with those two. And then I have my personal board of advisors that I've put together that are just men that I admire that I say, Hey, you've gone places I want to go. And you know, Bible teaches he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fool suffers harm. And so I've really tried to surround myself with wise people that rubs off on me. And then I get to say like, Hey, this is the decision. This is my process. This is the issue that's come up. Here's the evaluation I've done on it. Here's where I'm thinking about going. What would you advise? That's helped me mitigate a lot of issues. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, if I could just bottle up that answer and just sell that, I think that a lot of people would actually be changed, would grow. It's a lot of the message of, of what we say on the show. So thank you for, for echoing that into sure. the, the chambers of, of business and, and eternity on the internet. <laughs> and so those are great decision-making abilities. I appreciate that. Okay. So speed round here, Matthew, you ready? Ready. Top KPI. The only one that you could track, if you could only pick one, what would it be? Sales. And why? I just want to see our businesses growing. I mean, we track profit. We obviously yeah. we track other ones, but, but as a salesperson, I'm hungry for returning sales and new sales. Cause it, that, that's what gauges my, that's the metric that I evaluate. Returning sales, renewing sales, recurring sales is more of how well the business is doing. If that number is not going up, then our business is not doing a good job keeping our business. And the new new business coming in, our marketing machine has to be working. Our, because we're both in the referral business, the Christmas lights business and the Mosquito Joe business, both of those are, are heavily in the referral business marketing, but, but it's, it's, you want somebody to say, Hey, Mosquito Joe's the best. And, and they, they treat my yard and they do a great job. Right. That's obviously an easier sell. So the top line sales number tells me a lot about the health organization in a very, very easy to understand metric. Yeah. I loved, I, I, that's what I was looking for, which I appreciate you giving because a lot of people are driven by top line sales and <clears throat> it's for, it's for the wrong reasons. It's for vanity. Yeah. It's for that. I did a million bucks or I did 10 million bucks or a yeah. hundred million bucks, but if, if it doesn't give you the health of the organization in a very specific way, like you just gave, then it's the wrong metric to be tracking, right? The Amen. point of the question is that there's got to be something that you just, like this one piece helps you understand the entire organization. And it's a tough question. I know yeah. that. And for every entrepreneur, it's a slightly bit different because businesses are, are organized a little slightly bit different, but I love the depiction there. Thank you. You yeah. said you got a couple more books that you'd love to recommend, or maybe other, you said you're a big podcast guy. Yeah. What are some resources that you can share? So this is one that I bought our team. It's by Jimmy Collins, Creative Followership. Yeah. This is the book that I've referred out more over the last 12 months than any other book. It is, he is the only non-Cathy to run Chick-fil-A. He's the only non-Cathy CEO of Chick-fil-A. 
It's an organization that I love. And it is, it's his process about how to be the best employee you can possibly be. It, it felt weird the first time I encouraged our employees to read it. It felt like, hey, you're doing a bad job and I want you to do a better job. Right. But the feedback I've received from them has been more in line with, hey, thank you so much for giving me that. It's a great resource because wow. it, it helps me understand. He takes it from the perspective of the CEO of the organization. Here's what every CEO wishes a, his employees would do, his or her employees yeah. would do. Yeah. And it, and it is, it's a, it's, it's really well done for a wedding. I mean, I, I'm an avid reader. I read 20 or so books a year. And so I just, he who also the wise becomes wise. I just try to yeah. surround myself with wise people. The five people you spend the most cool. time with are the direction you're going to go. You're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So That's of right. that group, I try to add in kind of my fifth person being well-established people in their industry. That, that I can shave years off of my learning curve by res- listening to or reading. I do audible, but, I, but I, I enjoy reading. Yeah. Love that, man. You've already mentioned that you're in a couple of mastermind groups. I love that you gave one from a industry specific, one from a faith perspective. Gathering the Kings is a little different where we're all different industries, but we're all seven to nine figures. And so there's like a there's a niche there, even a certain conversation sure. that's happening. What would you say to the person listening right now that's been like the thing for you, just joining a group of people that are like-minded? I mean, I, my, I've been very blessed. My wife is unbelievable. The greatest thing outside my relationship with Jesus Christ that's ever happened to me. And But there's a piece of, of our relationship that the stress of business weighs on her much differently than it weighs on me and being able to have like-minded business owners that understand the stress in a different way has helped take a burden off of me just just somebody to to be alongside me to help shoulder my burden and then again you know when we started on mosquito joe one of the reasons why we called so many people is i wanted to know what are issues you had in your first couple of years because i didn't want to go through them Right. And it's the same thing that, that I'm, I'm in there with, with businesses that are three times my size. How did you get there? Tell me your secret sauce. Like, what did you do? What did you do with your people? This, this is the structure I'm putting in place. Did you put anything like this in place? That's what's helped us a lot. I was involved in, in being off for a long time. It's a great organization to, to start out. It's very different. It is very yeah. sales driven as a salesperson. Yeah, I liked it. It's networking. It's forced networking. It's got a lot of structure around it. It will help teach you a lot about networking. I encourage any kind of specifically home service business. It's a great thing as you're starting out to get connected with. Yep. But but there's a season for that. That's right. And, and for us, that season's closed. We're, we're just we we're in different things now, which is the masterminds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you you said that very beautifully. <laughs> the difference between a mastermind and a networking group is. One is sales forced, like you're saying, like the yeah. reason I go to a BNI group is to get referrals and to give them. And yes, I get to yeah. meet some cool people, but eventually the the capacity of this individual, you know, the transition from warrior to king, and yes. maybe I send a salesperson to sure. that group uh, sure. to, to continue on the sales action that's happening inside of that. But for the owner that's transitioned, it has to be another level, which is perspective, maybe advice, maybe just experiential, like, Hey, what would you do with this? Or just watching you. This is what I love most. I say this exact thing to new members coming in, which is like, yeah, you're going to get some cool advice. You're going to have specific people you can ask questions from, and it's real tangible, you know, stuff. But what I personally love the most is watching you figure out your problem because the way that you think comes out in that. And if I can ask a couple of questions that like, get you to like, just mold that a little bit. Yeah. And it's not even like my benefit of you asking the questions. It's my benefit to see you work it, like work, use yeah. your mind. Cause I get the benefit of watching your mind work. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I totally agree. A little bit behind the scenes there, but appreciate that. I got a question for you about, about family. Sure. And my, my, my book that I'm going to write eventually is going to be work-life obsession. Okay. Uh, throw balance out of the window. Amen. I, I don't even believe that balance is even biblical. And, and so here's what I mean, is that the thing that has made me successful in business is obsession. We as business owners all know that. And so what I'm trying to do is go all in on 
being a dad and being a husband and being a family and leading my community, all the things. Like I'm gonna go all in on all of it all the time across the board. So my question to you is, how, what are some practicals that you go all in or you're obsessed with your marriage, with your kids at the same time as the businesses? Yeah, I love that. So we have four boys, Walker's five, Noah would have been three, Abel's two, and Warren is eight weeks old at this point. Maybe 10 weeks old. Gosh, he's in there. He's little. <laughs> he's a little, little man. We went from, we, we say we went from man-to-man defense to zone defense, and it's been that's quite right, the change. Right. So for me, the the thing that's helped me so much is is scheduling my day. I, I'm a really, really big component of of scheduling. And and I, I like change. I like innovation. But what I've adapted to is I've put structure in place for me that then on a 90 day window, I can still do creative adaption and change because I love the change part. But so I built out a morning schedule for me. I mentioned it earlier, start at five, I I have a short time to work out. I have my quiet time. And then I get two solid hours to work on my business. And, you know, we, we like to say that we're busy and we are busy and I've worked 120 hours in a week and I've done that sustained and, and that's obviously not sustainable, but what I found is I don't work as productive doing that. And so for me, working a few hours in the morning, I can be hyper productive. I can go to the office for four to five hours, sometimes six hours and be very productive with my staff there. And then I come home in the afternoons and I spend a chunk of time with my boys. I asked my wife, I said, when would it be most helpful if you could organize my schedule? When would it be most helpful for me to be home? And she said, you know what? It's really chaotic is the afternoons. She said from, from about three o'clock until bedtime. And I said, you know what? My phone's going to be off. And so you cannot reach me at that time. You just can't. My staff knows that. And, and if the building's burning down, let it burn. Yeah. Because we can <laughs> fix it later. And, and, and genuinely, I mean, we, we yeah. can fix it later. You, you have been equipped at this point, specifically with our staff. You've been equipped to handle any issue that's come up that's that nice. cannot wait till tomorrow. Or after my wife's in bed, you know, and, and we've had some time to spend together, I'll be happy to check stuff. But typically nothing can't wait until the next morning. So, yeah. so I book in my day, I start early and then I'm, I'm really wrapping up two to three o'clock in the afternoon. And, and I'm taking intentional time to be with my boys that they're home from school when they're going to daycare or, or preschool down the road, that we're spending time outside as a family. We, we, we've read some research about just the impact of phones in the room with your children. And it's, it's humbling. My wife and I both have a place in our house beside our refrigerator that we set our phones. And so the, our boys know our phones are up, that they have our undivided attention and we're play whatever they want to. We're play inside, we're play outside. I don't care where we go. I just want to be with you. Yeah. And I've learned so much from, you know, my parents and they say more is caught than taught. And so, you know, this, I saw my parents do that and they didn't have that kind of structure. It was different, but they spent intentional time. So for me, because we have so much going on, that's been the thing that's helped me is building out that intentional structure and putting time in place. We also do, we started about a year ago, we do a Sabbath on Saturday evening through Sunday evening. And man, you, you want, you want something to, to dramatically improve your life. Mm-hmm. Try to take a Sabbath. Yeah. And, and it has been the biggest blessing to our family. It truly has to our business, to our, our family, to, to my marriage, my relationship with the Lord. It has been a sweet, sweet reprieve. Because what it allows me to do is it allows me to run harder during the week. That's right. It, truly. It allows me to run harder during the week because I know that I have a break coming. Yeah. And that's really important. There, You've just downloaded <clears throat> some really, 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 really good stuff. I want to just highlight for the listener that probably four to six months ago, I did the exact same thing that you did as far as I sat down with my wife and I said, okay, I'm going to stir this pot. How do we want to do it? What yeah. let's, let's paint our life, you know, and yeah. re, re, which really means how do we put me in certain categories sure. or boxes so that we sure. can all do the thing together. Right. Uh, sure. Cause we're the Mavericks. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was the same thing. It was like, you know, from three to seven would be really, really, cause I was already doing like a, 
you know, a five to seven. That was like my daddy time. And then I put them down. We've got a routine yeah. and the whole deal. Yeah. But like a couple of hours before that would be awesome additional time. So I was like, okay, well, what in order for me to do that, I got to start earlier, which means yeah. that like I'm going to get, I'm going to get out of bed earlier. I might like wake you as I'm getting up. Yep. But what that allows for me to do is do the early morning stuff and really get things cranking. And then I can be done by three. And then I I'm with the kids until seven, generally speaking that for sure. me, it's like a little bit of a wiggle, but, but then at seven, <clears throat> we either then choose to do something together, or if she's got stuff and I've got stuff, then I have an evening flow, which I just, yep. I love the evening flow. I come up here. Yeah. I don't have any of my, like all my show lights. None of that's on. Yep. It's just like one little lamp. And I have some quiet time, which is kind of like the morning. It's kind of like a good yeah. way to start in it, but that that three to seven time frame that you said about the about the family is just so important and so awesome. Not everybody can do it exactly like that, but the encouragement sure. really is just find the section of time that yeah. you can say, "I'm here, I'm obsessed here." Yeah, and and then to get excited about it, like I like for me, I don't know about you, but I just get a different dopamine hit about building something in business than I do, you know, playing Uno. <laughs> yeah. But I've changed that to I get to build my children. And then I'm like, ooh, I like yeah. that. Like building yeah. them as a person. Oh, and they're just right now we just happen to be playing Uno. Now I'm all in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So it was something we we I went through an exercise. This may have been last year, just really trying to define what does success look like. So what is I mean, because that looks like different things for everybody. Yeah. And and I I boiled it down into three categories: fate, family, and finances. And so I, I really try to, that's what my board of advisors helps regulate me on, hold me accountable to, is, is the things that I've defined out as success in those. And it, it starts first with my fate, and then it's my family, and then it's my business, my finances. And so that has helped me reorient my schedule. You know, our, you, you used to be, show me your, your wallet and I'll show you what you worship. And now it's show me your time. Show me your calendar, show me your yeah, schedule, and I'll show you what you worship. And so th that's just, that's for me. That, that's how I run my business. That's how I run our organization. And then we set up fun things. You know, Anna and I do a date night. We have a rhythm of, of overnight trips that we do and, and, and getaway trips that we do annually. We, we do a, a monthly donuts with dad. Again, I told you I like donuts. There's a donut shop here in Jefferson, Georgia, where we live. And I take the boys. It's either there or Waffle House. And it's just, it's chaos and it's fun, but we go and, and it's, memories. it's memories. And it's just really trying to commit to, you know, quantity time leads to quality time. It, yeah. It's very hard to have quality time with your staff, with, with your spouse or with your children without quantity time. And so it's how to arrange my time. You know, a, a mentor of mine told me years ago before our, our first son was born, Walker, he said, in the time that you have young children, he said, your golf score should not go down and your bench press should not go up. He said, you know, have time for yourself, have time for your health. But he said, do not focus on those things so much that it takes time away from your family. He said, because this time you cannot get back. Yeah. So powerful. just tried to live by that. Super powerful. And I think that anybody that's past those years would, would immediately go back if they could. Which leads me to my next question. Yeah. That's my last question for you, Matthew. Okay. I want to know if you could reach into the past and whisper to the younger Matthew. What would you, what would you whisper in his ear? Oh, mercy. There's so many things. <clears throat> I really take my life as I just believe that God doesn't make mistakes. And I, I believe, you know, that he's in the business of redeeming our story and, and that he, you know, turns our, our mess into miracles. So I, that's something that I, I don't just say. It's something I believe. But I think if I could tell myself something is that I would, in the early years of starting our business, I would slow down. If I, if I could say anything, I would, even as early as our boys were at that time, I just would slow down. And I would try to structure the structure that I have now. If I could go back and we started, I wish I would have that structure we started. Yeah, there's value in that for sure. Okay, Matthew, you've been absolutely sensational today. We went, we went long, but man, was it good. Uh, and I actually hope that they go back and listen to it again. So well, how can the listener find you? Number one, if they are in home service and they are looking for a solution for the off season and they want to yeah. inquire about your franchise and, or they're just a business owner. They want to get to know you a little bit. How can they find sure. you? 
So our, our business address is dlightingpros.com. You can go on there, find out information about our local operations business or any of our franchises. My cell phone, I, we can put in the notes at 678-807-9410. That's my business cell phone. Happy to talk. So not from three content, to seven, but not three to seven, <laughs> but all the other times. No, I'm happy to talk. You know, you won't be able to get me between then, but I'm happy for you yeah. to try. But, but I really would love to be able to connect and, you know, if it's not right for somebody that's looking for a franchise, we, we totally understand, but I feel like it's a good solution to be able to keep staff and, and, and bring in some good revenue in the off season. And then I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Matthew Eford, happy to connect with anybody we can. Mr. Eford, you've been again, just incredible. I'm so glad that I know you now. I can't wait to see where our friendship goes from here. I feel like I've known you for years at this point. And so it's been a blessing. Blessings upon your family, your business, you. your teams. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. It's my, my truly my honor. A blessing to be here. Appreciate your time. And, you know, that's my, my hope and prayer is for, for all the, those that are listening, you know, genuinely is that their businesses will, will be successful and will thrive because that's the way I, I believe the kingdom's built here it is, is so much through business. And we have an incredible opportunity to connect with local communities around the country and to better equip those businesses to be more successful that then in turn that they can get back to their community and be a light in a dark place. The ultimate king mindset. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.